This is the Give and Goat Report, featuring Josiah Reckenbach and Cody Wagner. Welcome to episode two of the Give and Goat Report, featuring Josiah Reckenbach, Cody Wagner, and breaking news, a third host to be announced in the coming days. However, tonight I am flying solo as I bring you the Western Conference preview one day before the season tips off tomorrow night. In today's episode, I'll be covering all 15 Western Conference teams, taking a deeper look into their roster, discussing questions they must answer this season, and providing you with my prediction for their season. Additionally, stay tuned at the end of the episode for my first Vegas Picks of the Year, in which I'll provide you with a selection of solid NBA bets this week. Let's get started. First team is going to be the Utah Jazz, last year's one seed in the West with a 52-20 record. However, they fall to the Clippers in the conference semifinals in six games. It was definitely a disappointing finish to an incredible regular season that saw the Jazz go 31-5 at home. My projected lineup for the Utah Jazz this year, very similar to what it has been in years past. You have Mike Conley at the one, who missed a majority of the postseason last year with a hamstring injury, which was a crucial blow to the Jazz's playoff chances. Uh, Mike Conley is a key member of that offense. Obviously, he's the floor general. Utah last year, chemistry was crazy, ball was moving, and then Mike Conley gets hurt, and it doesn't translate the same in the playoffs. At the two, Donovan Mitchell, 26.4 points per game last season, which was 11th in the league. Donovan Mitchell has really started to establish himself as a superstar in the league. We've seen he can take it to another level in the playoffs. Looking forward to seeing what he can do again this year. At the three, Royce O'Neal. Solid uh, option there for Utah. Plays his role well. Bogdanovich um, at the four. And at the five, you have Rudy Gobert, last year's Defensive Player of the Year. He's the defensive anchor for the Jazz. Great rebounder. 2.7 blocks per game last year, which was second in the league, only to Miles Turner. Rudy Gobert, his game has progressed offensively over the years as well. Uh, Continues to be a key piece and all-star there in Utah. Coming off the bench, you have Jordan Clarkson's last year's sixth man of the year in the NBA. Seventh in the league last year and three-pointers made. He's a guy that can come in, can get hot quickly, score a lot of baskets, head to the bench, in comes Donovan Mitchell. So uh, Utah has a really deep and talented roster that doesn't end there. You also have Joe Ingles coming off the bench, another guy that can fill it up uh, from three-point land. Rudy Gay, a under-the-radar signing Uh, Utah picking up a veteran forward there who also can come in and score some points. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, another under-the-radar veteran signing. Hassan Whiteside will be able to provide Rudy Gobert with some minutes off the bench. Uh, He's another guy that can block shots, play a similar type of role um, as Rudy Gobert. Obviously not on the same level at all, but at least a guy that can come in and, and give Rudy Gobert some good minutes. Jared Butler is a guy that's got an opportunity to crack the rotation there in Utah as well. The rookie from Baylor and national champion. And then Eric Paschal, another guy I think that has an opportunity to play some meaningful minutes in Utah. Coming over from Golden State where he definitely played meaningful minutes with some of the injuries um, and situations going on there last year in Golden State. Eric Paschal comes over to Utah and I believe he can be a solid contributor as well. My one question for the Jazz this year is, can the Jazz prove that they are more than just a regular season team? Last year, they were top five in the NBA in offense and defense, yet they fall in six to the Clippers. 
My season prediction, however, for the Jazz is I do have them finishing at first in the West. Spoiler alert, I do not have them winning the NBA Finals, but I do have them winning the the one seed. So (laughs) the Utah Jazz, their championship back-to-back can be winning the Western Conference. You know, it remains to be seen, can they make a deeper playoff run this year? I don't have them going to the NBA Finals, but I do have them finishing at first in the Western Conference. Very deep, very talented roster, a lot of chemistry, a lot of returning guys. Head coach Quinn Snyder has to be excited, feel good about what they have going into the season. As long as they remain healthy, as we've talked about in the Eastern Conference preview, uh, you know, with a lot of teams, very quickly health can spiral a season out of control. But I think for Utah, with the depth, they're set up really well, and I feel really good about putting them as my one seed. My one stat to know for the Utah Jazz is about Jordan Clarkson. Last year's sixth man of the year. He was second in the Jazz in scoring at 18.4 points per game. This was his highest scoring average throughout his seven-year NBA career. So I look forward to seeing what Jordan Clarkson can do in Utah as well. Up next, we'll be covering the Los Angeles Lakers. Up next, we have the Los Angeles Lakers. Last year, they finished 7th in the West with a 42-30 and record, and they lost in the first round to the Phoenix Suns. The Lakers ended the 2021-2022 season with a remade roster crafted for a title run. After a disappointing end to an injury-plagued season, Los Angeles went out and acquired Russell Westbrook via trade with the Washington Wizards. And they complemented his addition with a bevy with a bevy of veteran signings. My projected lineup for the Los Angeles Lakers this year: Russell Westbrook at the one, obviously a guy coming over, led the league in assists last year. He's a guy that forms a big three there in LA with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I know Lakers fans got to be excited to see what he can bring to the table. He's always been known as a fierce competitor, and I think he's going to endear himself well to Lakers fans. At the two is where some questions uh, really arise. Um, Frank Vogel really has a lot of different options he can put at the two. Kent Bazemore is a, is a veteran wing that can play some two. He's a good defender. He's also a pretty good shooter. So Kent Bazemore is a guy that looks to uh, get some opportunities to be the starting two guard there in L.A. At the three, obviously, you have LeBron James uh, going into his 19th season in the league. LeBron still has gas in the tank. As we've seen, you know, winning the NBA title the season before and looking like he has a team this year that can compete for it again. At the four, Anthony Davis, obviously his health has been a major concern for the Lakers over the years. Uh, It remains to be seen. Can he stay healthy for a prolonged season? Um, And so we'll see what we can do this year. At the five, DeAndre Jordan is probably penciled in to be the starter. Obviously, veteran big man, spent some time in L.A. previously with the Clippers. He's also had some some different stops around the league. He was there in uh, Brooklyn last year for their title hopes that that fell short. But DeAndre Jordan comes over to the Lakers and looks to be the starting five man. Coming off the bench in L.A., Carmelo Anthony, 
Taylor Horton Tucker, who although right now is dealing with injury and will be out for the foreseeable future. Malik Monk, hot shooter coming over from the Charlotte Hornets. Trevor Ariza will play some good minutes for the Lakers. He may potentially get into that starting lineup when he is healthy. He is also out right now with injury. Uh, you also have none coming over from the Miami Heat. Solid backup point guard option there coming off the bench. Uh, Kendrick Nunn will be able to provide Russell Westbrook with an opportunity to get some minutes on the bench. Rajon Rondo also will probably play some good veteran point guard minutes. Obviously, you know, Rondo, what he brings to the table is not just physically on the floor when he's playing, but his ability to be another coach there on the sidelines. Wayne Ellington also will provide probably some minutes there in Los Angeles. A veteran shooter can come in and knock down some threes. My one question for the Lakers this year is can AD remain healthy enough for the Lakers this season. Coming off a year that saw the Lakers star forward only play 36 regular season games and go down to injury in the first round against the Suns, which at that point, any title aspirations the Lakers had last year kind of went out the window when AD went down, and any title aspirations they have this year are going to be contingent on him being available. My season prediction, however, for the Lakers, I think that AD will remain healthy. I think that Russell Westbrook will actually be an exciting addition. Some people doubt if that'll be able to fit well. Obviously, he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands, as is LeBron. But I think LeBron can you know, grow and adapt his game. We're talking about one of the greatest players ever to play the game. I think he's going to let Russ play his game. I think he's going to let AD play his game. And I think they're going to figure it out. Um, And so I have the Lakers finishing at second in the West uh, behind the Utah Jazz, obviously, who we just previewed. My one stat to know for the Lakers are that the Lakers are the oldest team in the NBA with an average age of almost 31 years. So another question is, will this veteran experience equal an easier path to the NBA title? Guys that have a lot of experience, guys that have a lot of playoff experience, or by the time the playoffs come around, will the Lakers be worn down? A lot of old guys, worn out, not ready to go come playoffs. I think Frank Vogel is going to have to find a balance between winning regular season games and also resting some of these older veteran guys. However, I do have Los Angeles finishing at second in the West. Up next, we'll preview the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings coming off a year in which they were 31-41 and in the West, which finished them as 12th in the West. Sacramento has been one of those teams that seems to consistently be at the back end of the Western Conference, and this year seems to be not much different. Going into the season this year, you had Buddy Heald continually mentioned in trade talks, seemed like he was headed to the Los Angeles Lakers. The deal doesn't happen. He's still there in Sacramento. He's not the only one that you're worried about. How long will he be in Sacramento? Will he even make it to the trade deadline? I'm also speaking about Marvin Bagley. Will he even make it to the trade deadline? So Sacramento is a team that just doesn't seem to be all the way put together, all the way finished, but they do have a lot of pieces that are exciting to watch. Definitely watched some Sacramento Kings basketball last year, and I can tell you that they do have some really solid pieces, starting with point guard De'Aaron Fox. Should be an all-star this season. 25.2 points per game last season, 7.2 assists per game, which was ninth in the league. Two areas that Fox needs to improve on, though, is he only shot 32% from three, and he's only shooting about 72% last year from the free throw line. So from a point guard, you'd like to see higher than 32% from three. 
higher than 72% from the free throw line. But De'Aaron Fox will be an all-star this year in the Western Conference. At the two, Tyrese Halliburton, solid rookie year in which he averaged 13.0 points per game. We talked about Buddy Heald at the three. Um, you know, in terms of will he even be a guy that's with Sacramento throughout this season? But Buddy Heald is a guy that can shoot the ball from deep. Um, in fact, he was second in the league last year in three-pointers made, something that a lot of people probably don't realize. Buddy Heald had more threes made last year than Damian Lillard. Now, by no means am I comparing him to Damian Lillard. When it's Dame time, it's Dame time. Nobody says it's Buddy time. However, Buddy Heald is a shooter that can knock it down. He does provide a lot of value to the right team. Just not sure if Sacramento values him or if he's happy being there for the future. At the four for Sacramento projected is Harrison Barnes, obviously veteran forward there. And at the five, Rashawn Holmes, who just signed a four-year $46.5 million deal to remain in Sacramento. Solid big man, good rebounder, pretty good shooter, uh, mid-range game, not talking about three-pointers, but pretty solid big man there in Sacramento. Coming off the bench, a couple guys to highlight for Sacramento. Uh, Marvin Bagley, you know, obviously productive big man at times, can't seem to ever really remain healthy and definitely has not lived up to the high draft pick that he was. Also off the bench, Davion Mitchell, rookie from Baylor that Sacramento seems to be really excited about. Uh, They're really excited about his defense. They're really excited about his energy and his effort. Pretty much what he can give you on the offensive end would be like a bonus in terms of what he's supposed to bring to the table. My projection for the Kings is I do have them missing the playoffs yet again, finishing at 12th in the West. Up next, we have the Los Angeles Clippers. Los Angeles Clippers last year finished at fourth in the West at 47 and 25. My projected lineup for the Los Angeles Clippers at point guard, Reggie Jackson, obviously took his game to another level last year in the playoffs, really stepped up when Kawhi went down, and he'll be crucial to the team's success yet again this year. Uh, at the two, you got Paul George coming off a year which saw him really – get rid of some of that bad press that he had from his performance in the bubble. Last year, averaged 23.3 points per game. A guy that can really fill it up, can really get going. He's a really good shooter. And obviously with Kawhi being out, like we talked about with Reggie Jackson, Paul George is the man now in Los Angeles until Kawhi comes back. And so they're going to be counting on Paul George to increase that scoring load. At the three, Nicholas Batum, a solid veteran last year that performed really well for the Clippers. Um, At the four, Marcus Morris, uh, senior. Last year shot 47% from the three, which was second in the league. So definitely a really good shooter, really good space in the floor there for the Clippers. And at the five, Serge Ibaka, who last year definitely battled some injury problems. That'll be key. Um, is if he can remain healthy. Now, they may start Zubak as well, so he'll be one of the key reserves. Um, But another key reserve I really would like to talk about with the Clippers is going to be Terrence Mann. Uh, Terrence Mann is a guy that the Clippers just extended just a few days ago. Um, He's a guy that can come in and uh, has the capability of exploding. Now, he's not something that this has shown many times, but he definitely showed that to us last year in the playoffs when he scored 39 points in game six against the Utah Jazz to propel the Clippers to the Western Conference Finals. 
So Terrence Mann does have that in his DNA, as we've seen. Is this something that he can do consistently on a night-in, night-out basis? So far, the answer to that has been definitely not. But maybe this is his year to take another big step forward. Uh, We talked about Kawhi being out, how that's going to impact Reggie Jackson, how that's going to impact Paul George. But Terrence Mann's also a guy that you should keep an eye on. Clippers also off the bench. Eric Bledsoe was a solid pickup for them as well. He's a tough guard. He competes. Um, and he is a guy that's going to be able to provide them with some solid minutes. He might get some starts for them as well. My question this year for the Clippers is, can they compete in a loaded Western Conference without Kawhi? We saw them do it in the playoffs last year, but will they be able to sustain that success? I think uh, head coach Ty Lue, really was able to motivate the guys last year. Maybe they had some self-motivation from what happened in the previous year in the bubble, but can they do it again? Can they do it again over an 82-game season, not just over a playoff run with limited fans in some of those games? My projection for the Clippers this year is I do have them slipping, falling, but I do have them still making the playoffs. I have them finishing at eighth in the Western Conference. Up next, we will go to Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee, we'll be talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. Last year, they finished ninth in the West with a 38-34 and record. However, they do get into the playoffs with that new playoff format, the play-in tournament. So the Memphis Grizzlies get in. They beat the Warriors in a crazy play-in game to get in. So they get that eighth seed. And they really played hard in that series against Utah, that first-round matchup, that 1-8 matchup as uh, the Grizzlies get in by beating Golden State. And they really played hard against Utah. Uh, John Morant, we we saw some really impressive performances from him in the playoffs, but Memphis just didn't have the roster to compete with, with Utah. Now, it's not like Memphis has made a lot of great additions this offseason. There have been you know, some changes here and there, but they're pretty much bringing back a lot of key members of their rotation other than the five, which we'll get to in a second. So with the one, obviously, you have John Morant last year, 19.1 points per game, uh, eighth in the league in assists at 7.4 assists per game, 4.0 rebounds per game. Averaged 30 in the playoffs, though. So he averaged 19.1 points per game in the regular season, took it to another level in the playoffs, 30 points per game. Dylan Brooks at the two. However, right now he's out with a fractured foot, which will sideline him for a little while. Uh, 17.2 points per game. The Grizzlies are going to need his scoring back. He really provides them with some leadership as well. Um, He just seems to be a really good fit with Memphis. At the three, slow-mo Kyle Anderson. Um, he's a guy that, you know, true to his nickname, kind of unorthodox playing style, but he's a guy that can get going and can and can score points. So Kyle Anderson, um, a solid three there for Memphis. At the four, Jaron Jackson Jr., richly rewarded just a few days ago with a nice contract extension. We've been yet to truly see what Jaron Jackson Jr. can do in the league. He's battled some injuries. Uh, just hasn't been healthy at the right time. Is this his breakout year? Well, Memphis is hoping so as they've paid him as such. I was speaking about the the change that Memphis had at the five. They trade Jonas Valanciunas, um, and instead they bring in Stephen Adams. So Stephen Adams is the new five man in Memphis. Solid rebounder, pretty okay, you know, defender but doesn't do much else than defend and rebound. So, you know, 
definitely a step down in a lot of ways from Valanciunas, but Steven Adams is a solid big man. I do like what he brings to the table. Just kind of a confusing trade by Memphis, you know, probably largely for financial reasons is probably why that move was made, you know, probably on behalf of New Orleans. Coming off the bench in Memphis, uh, D'Anthony Melton provides some really good minutes. He may be able to provide them with some starts. Uh, you have Desmond Bain, who was the rookie last year, averaged 9.2 points per game in his rookie year and shot 43% from the three. He's a guy that may be able to get some spot starts as well. Brandon Clark, a young guy out of Gonzaga, last year didn't have as good a year as he did in his rookie year, but Brandon Clark is another guy that can really uh, compete for Memphis, uh, plays you know some at the four, maybe play a little bit at the five, um, but he's a big man that I look to see um, what his role will be with Taylor Jenkins, uh, head coach Taylor Jenkins there in Memphis this year. You have Tyus Jones, the backup point guard, been a pretty solid backup point guard. Uh, Xavier Tillman is another backup big man in Memphis. And then Jarrett Culver, you get in that trade with Minnesota. Will he be able to, you know, kind of live up to some of the expectations he had being a lottery pick so far? He has been, you know, pretty much a bust, unfortunately, but maybe he can, you know, revive his career a little bit there in Memphis. My projection for Memphis this year is I actually do have them at ninth in the Western Conference. So I have them just out of the playoffs. The Western Conference this year is just so deep. It's it's very difficult to predict, but I do have them at ninth in the Western Conference. However, the good news for that is that would put them in the play-in tournament. So it would be really interesting to see what they can do once they get into the play-in tournament. Up next, we're going to go into the Portland Trailblazers. Portland Trailblazers, one of my favorite teams to watch, as we spoke about on the Eastern Conference preview episode one. My team is the Atlanta Hawks, but my second favorite team to watch, not on the same level as the Atlanta Hawks, let me make that clear, but my second favorite team to watch is going to be the Portland Trailblazers, and that is because of point guard Damian Lillard. Last year leads the Trailblazers to a 42-30 and record. Uh, which makes them sixth in the West last year. They finished eight and two in the last 10 games to avoid that play-in tournament, but they fall 4-2 to Denver in the first round. So first round exit, definitely not what uh, Portland is about. And it's leaving Portland with all types of questions. Uh, You know, is Damian Lillard going to stay here for the long term? How, you know, is he going to continue to, remain loyal to the city obviously he's done that year in and year out and it just seems like it may be time for him to move to another place I love Damian Lillard I love his loyalty but has Portland surrounded him with enough to make his his team a title contender remains to be seen at the two CJ McCollum obviously he's a guy that can fill it up but he's also a guy whose name has been continually mentioned in trade talks. So it'll be interesting to see if anything happens there. At the three in Portland, Norman Powell. At the four, Robert Covington. And at the, and at the five, Nurkic. Now, Nurkic is a guy who only played 37 games for the Blazers last year. Dealt with some injury issues. But he is a guy that when he plays really well, he can be really good in the NBA. And he's a guy that Dame really needs to be playing at the top of his game. For the Portland Trailblazers to be a legitimate contender, you need Dame playing at the top of his game, CJ playing at the top of his game, and Nurkic playing at the top of of his game. Off the bench, Portland loses Carmelo. Carmelo heads over to the Los Angeles Lakers. 
However, the Portland Trailblazers do have Larry Nance Jr., who they acquired via trade with Cleveland. Um, he's going to be a solid bench addition there in Portland. Um, Anthony Simons is a young guy that can fill it up, but he really needs to take his game to the next level. So those are a couple key rotation players there, a couple key rotation players there in Portland for the Blazers. My one question for the Blazers is, this is, seems to be a make-or-break year for Portland Trail Blazers. Portland Trail Blazers fans, I think you know that. Are you guys going to do enough? Surround Damian Lillard with enough. You didn't do enough in the offseason, in my opinion. The needle definitely definitely wasn't moved. Larry Nance Jr., nice addition, but you lose Melo. Melo provided some nice minutes to Portland, provided them with some nice bench scoring. I don't know that they've done enough to keep Dame there. But Dame's, Dame's been the guy whose persona has been extremely loyal. What will it take for that clock to run out? Does it happen this year? That remains to be seen. My prediction for the Portland Trailblazers is I have them finishing at sixth in the Western Conference. Um, I think despite not doing enough in the offseason, they still do have a very talented roster, obviously one of the best guards in the league. And then CJ can play. Nurkic can play. You got a couple nice pieces. Covington Powell is a guy that can go for you know 18 to 20 on any given night. So I do have Portland finishing at sixth in the West with the roster constructed the way it is now. We will move now from Portland to a team with a similar type, um, a, a similar type seed, and I'll and I'll do a little bit of comparison here. The Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks last year finished at fifth in the Western Conference with a 42 and 30 record. And when I say I'll make a comparison, Dallas in a lot of ways, Luca in terms of his supporting cast is a little bit similar to Damian Lillard and his supporting cast. You don't have a major Robin to the Batman. Yeah, you have Kristaps Porzingis, but Porzingis was a major disappointment last year in the playoffs, as we'll get to. Can he be that number two option? (laughs) Similar to, is CJ the number two option in Portland in terms of a number two option that can carry you to an NBA title? And so far, the answer has been no. But we're talking about the Dallas Mavericks, so let's get back to that. Starting lineup for the Dallas Mavericks, Luka. At starting point guard, obviously, Luka Doncic, 27.7 points per game last year, sixth in the league in scoring, 8.0 rebounds per game and 8.6 assists per game, sixth in the league in assists. Luke is a guy that has uh, very quickly risen up the charts in terms of one of the top players in the NBA, uh, pretty consistent top 15 player, and a lot of people say probably top 10. Some people say even top five in the league right now. At the two in Dallas, you have Tim Hardaway Jr. just signed a four-year, $72 million uh, deal. He was actually eighth in the league last year in three-pointers made. So he does provide Luka with some wing help there, provides them with some wing scoring, but he's not a number two option on a championship team. Dorian Finney-Smith, also a solid three-point shooter. Dorian Dorian Finney-Smith also plays a pretty good defensive role there in Dallas. You have Porzingis at the four, 20.1 points per game last year in the regular season, but that dips to 13.1 in the playoffs where he shot under 30% from the three in that matchup with the Los Angeles Clippers as the Dallas Mavericks fall in that series. At the five, Dwight Powell, 
However, new head coach Jason Kidd does have a lot of options. He could mix and match with a number of these bench rotational guys. Maxi Kleber could get some starts. Reggie Bullock, the shooter coming over from the New York Knicks, could get some starts. Willie Cauley-Stein, probably not a candidate to start, but definitely a candidate to get some post-player minutes off the bench. There's really a log jam in Dallas um, at that center position. Uh, you know, whether you play Dwight Powell at the center, maybe play a little bit of Porzingis at the center, probably more at the four for Porzingis, but you have Willie Cauley-Stein, you have Moses Brown. be interesting to see how long they hold on to him, and they have Boban. So a lot of options um, in the front court there for new head coach Jason Kidd. My prediction for the Dallas Mavericks, I have them finishing at seventh in the Western Conference. Up next, we will be headed to Denver. We'll be discussing the Denver Nuggets. Last year finished with a 47-25 and 25 record, which put them at third in the West. However, they got swept by the Phoenix Suns to get eliminated from the playoffs in the second round. And Denver, without starting point guard Jamal Murray going into this season, tore his ACL last year. Uh, last year, you know, they don't have him in the playoffs. Not the same team. Obviously, you still got Joker, league MVP, but missing Jamal Murray, what's that going to look like for the Denver Nuggets this season? Now, head coach Michael Malone also does have a really deep roster in Denver. That starts with um, our starting lineup here in Denver, projected Monty Morris at the point guard position. Will Barton probably play a good minutes, a uh, good amount of minutes at the two. Michael Porter Jr., this may be a year where we really see him break out even more from his 19 points per game last year, 7.3 rebounds per game. He shot 44% from three. Um, and then he gets rewarded this offseason with a five-year max, $207 million deal. That 19 points per game last year, wouldn't be surprised if that trickled up to 23, 24 points per game this year, especially with Jamal Murray being out for the majority of the year. At the four, you have Aaron Gordon, acquired last year from Orlando. Didn't seem like he really fully got acclimated to Denver uh, last year in terms of his his role in that offense. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like this year um, in Denver with head coach Michael Malone's system. At the five, you have last year's NBA MVP, Joker. 26.4 points per game, 10.8 rebounds, 8.3 assists. 8.3 assists puts him as the sixth best um, in terms of assists in the league last year. So he's a guy that can do everything on the floor. Uh, Jokic is a guy that he is the catalyst for their offense, even though he's not their point guard. He plays like the point guard. Um, and so he is a guy that um, you know has been really interesting to watch his development in the league. And he's the primary reason why Denver is a potential title contender, especially when you get Jamal Murray back. Coming off the bench in Denver, they've got some interesting pieces. Uh, you have Jeff Green, uh, really interesting uh, addition there. I really like that. Jeff Green, very solid veteran. He's played in a lot of different places, uh, played a lot of in important roles in different places, and I think he's going to play um, a nice role there in Denver. Jermichael Green, also a solid uh, veteran forward there, a guy that can stretch the floor with his three-point shooting ability. Bones Highland, the rookie from VCU, 26th pick in the draft. He's a guy that head coach Michael Malone did comment recently that he is going to have a role on this team. Uh, they seem to be pretty pleased with how he's played um, in the preseason. 
So those are a couple rotational guys I'd like to highlight there in Denver. Uh, one of the biggest questions with Denver is when will Jamal Murray come back and will he be the same? So coming off that ACL injury, Jamal Murray's health, when he comes back is going to be really important to see if that can get Denver ramped up for a playoff run in time. Even without Jamal Murray, assuming that um, you know he will come back eventually, but he's going to, they're going to be without him for the majority of the regular season. I have Denver finishing at fifth in the West. So I think that they'll be very competitive in the West. You know, obviously you've got the uh, regular, you've got the uh, NBA MVP last year. And, you know, I, I have Denver finishing at fifth in the West, you know, hopefully Jamal Murray comes back in time for the playoffs and then anything can happen. Next, we will head to the Golden State Warriors. Gold State Warriors are a really interesting team to discuss this year, and they're a team that I'm excited about for a variety of reasons. For one, I'm excited to see Clay back. We're hoping to see that happen hopefully in January, but also they have Steph Curry who continues to play at a high level, continues to be one of the funnest guys in the NBA to watch. Unlimited range, crazy playmaking ability, just, just an absolute joy to watch. And still – in the conversation for MVP year in and year out. Last year's scoring champ at 32 points per game undoubtedly will be the starting point guard for the Warriors for years to come. Eighth in the West last year is where they finished, 39-33 and 33 record. They do not make the playoffs because they lose the Lakers in the first game of the play-in tournament, and then they lose to the Grizzlies. So last year felt a little bit different not having the Golden State Warriors um, in the playoffs. Uh, mentioned that obviously Steph Curry is their starting point guard at the two. Jordan Poole will probably see um, a good amount of those minutes at the two until obviously Clay comes back in January. You've Andrew Wiggins at the three, um, a guy that obviously was in the news about, hey, what are, what are they going to do about Andrew Wiggins if he doesn't get vaccinated? Obviously, that question is over and done with. And I'm sure Brooklyn is saying they wish they could be in a similar position with Kyrie. They're not. Kyrie, you know, still. Has not come back. Andrew Wiggins does get the vaccine. Andrew Wiggins is eligible to play. Draymond Green at the four, obviously, who had a really interesting season last year. Obviously still great uh, defender. Obviously still a guy that is a catalyst to that offense. Um, really good at you know moving the ball, making really good passes, helping Steph Curry and the other shooters um, find their spots. But he has lowest scoring average last year at seven points per game since the 2013-2014 season. So something kind of odd to, to monitor there is at times he was passive. I don't know if that's the right word. It just a very interesting development in his game, like not even looking to score. Um, it, it seemed like he like didn't want to to score, and that, that was an interesting addition. I would like to see Draymond be a little bit more assertive this year in that role. At the five, Looney um, will probably play a lot of minutes at the five, especially with uh, James Wiseman being a little bit of a disappointment in a lot of ways to Golden State Warriors fans last year. Um, he's also a guy that's coming off um, an injured meniscus, so we, they don't know exactly when James Wiseman's going to be back. But even when he's back, it seems like Looney is going to be the starting five, which is not a bad thing. Uh, Looney is a guy that you know has been on championship teams with Golden State, so a solid option there. Moses Moody is a rotational piece that I'm excited to see what he can do. The rookie from Arkansas, Juan Toscano-Anderson, um, is a guy that last year stepped up, played a role, obviously, Golden State with all these injuries. A lot of new guys, new faces we saw in Golden State that played some interesting roles. 
and one to Scando Anderson was one of those. Um, obviously, he will continue to have a bench role in Golden State. My main question for Golden State this year is what does Clay look like when he comes back? So you're coming off, you're, you're talking about a guy that hasn't played in a really, really, really long time. And what is he going to look like when he comes back? Is he going to still be the same clay? It's obviously going to take a long time for him to get ramped up um, to, you know, playing, um, you know, regular minutes. You know, he'll obviously be on a minutes restriction for a long time. But but come playoff time, will he help put the Warriors as a title contender? Obviously, I think that's what a lot of NBA fans are hoping for, but that remains to be seen. I do have the Warriors having a bounce back year. I think Clay will come back. I think he will get stronger. Um, I'm not sure if he'll get back to the same form that we've seen him in years past, but I do have the Golden State Warriors actually finishing at fourth in the West. Fourth in the West, bold prediction, um, but that is where I do have the Golden State Warriors. After the break, we'll be headed to cover the Phoenix Suns. Welcome back to episode two of the Give and Goat Report, where I'm previewing the Western Conference. The next team we have is the Phoenix Suns, last year's NBA Finals runner-ups as they fall to the Milwaukee Bucks in six games. Last year finished second in the West with a 51-21 and record. Uh, this year looking obviously to improve on that. Obviously we talked earlier about how crowded the West is, but Phoenix is obviously a contender and they've built a really nice roster. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk here in a second about a potential problem that they have on the horizon, but very deep, very talented roster. Obviously, you have CP3 starting point guard, 36 years old, but still third in assists last year, 8.9 assists per game. At the two, Devin Booker, who ever elevated his game last year, took it to 25.6 points per game, which was 13th in the league in scoring. Obviously, takes his game to another level um, during that playoff run and has definitely established himself as a superstar in the league. Mikael Bridges at the three just recently signed a four-year, $90 million extension. He'll be counted on to play solid wing defense. He's also a pretty good shooter, um, so really good signing there to keep in Phoenix for years to come. Jay Crowder at the four, providing Phoenix with some good veteran presence, solid leadership, uh, which is invaluable for a team that has a lot of young pieces. CP3, Jay Crowder provides some really good leadership there in Phoenix. And DeAndre Ayton, this is where things start to get a little hairy. Doesn't get the extension signed today. On path to become a restricted free agent in the offseason. That is not a distraction a title contender needs. There are other teams that could be in similar situations to this. They took care of their guys, i.e. my Atlanta Hawks, getting Trey, getting John Collins, getting Kevin Herter locked up. No real distractions going into Atlanta. But, hey, we're talking about the Western Conference Phoenix, you should have got that done with DeAndre Ayton. You should have worked that out. You had plenty of time. Didn't happen. That's a question that Phoenix is going to have to answer. But DeAndre Ayton is a guy that elevated his game as well, just like Devin Booker in the playoffs. At times looked like a monster in the paint. And he's a guy that Phoenix should want to lock up for a long time. Phoenix also has a really good bench. Um, so obviously we, we saw campaign and what he can do at times – you know, it looked like he was more effective than Chris Paul when Chris Paul was clearly not at 100% at time in the playoffs. Campaign is a guy that 
Um, Phoenix has locked up for a few years now as well. Campaign is also a great story. A guy that didn't work out in the NBA, ends up playing in China, plays in the G League, and then finds his way into the NBA Finals with the Phoenix Suns. Cam Johnson is a, a forward guy that can space the floor, can shoot. Um, he is continuing to develop in Phoenix. He really stepped up in that playoff run as well. But he looks like to be a, a great piece. Another guy that Phoenix uh, you know, hopes to lock up for years to come. Shamit was a guy that they got in the offseason. Um, he's a guy that recently signed a four-year, $43 million contract extension with the Phoenix Suns. He's a guy that will be able to provide some juice off the bench as well. My one question for the Suns is, can the Suns survive the crowded West and do it again? Yes, kind of easy, cliche question, but the West is loaded. It really feels like the Suns are going to have way more trouble this year in the West than they did last year. I mean, for one, you're not going to, you know, hopefully knock on wood, you're not going to face a Lakers team without AD. Obviously, that helped them get past the Lakers, but can they do it if, Clay comes back healthy with Golden State. Can they do it if Jamal Murray comes back healthy with Denver? Can they do it if Damian Lillard hopefully finally gets a little bit more help in Portland? Can they do it if the Utah Jazz are healthy and clicking? Can they do it if Los Angeles Clippers can continue some of that magic from last year? Uh, you know, being without Kawhi, but still being effective and making a run at the Western Conference Finals. It remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. Uh, but I do have Phoenix Suns finishing with a solid regular season. I do actually have them finishing at third in the West. So I have the Phoenix Suns finishing at third in the West. Next, we will head to some teams that will be lottery teams. So, you know, stay tuned. If you are a guy that enjoys talking about some of the bottom feeders, hey, I'm, in, I'm an NBA guy. I'll talk about any team in the NBA. So I hope that you stay tuned for some of these teams that – are not necessarily playoff contenders. And one we'll start with is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota Timberwolves, not a playoff contender. Last year finished at the 23-49 and 49 record, pretty abysmal. 13th in the West last year, 23-49. and 49. The rotation this year for uh, Minnesota there, obviously you have D'Angelo Russell at the one. Played in 42 games last year, battled a knee injury, not super healthy. He is a guy that, you know, when he's healthy, he's a really good scorer. Um, and so D'Angelo Russell, you know, they're hoping to form a big three, I think is the the pattern that Minnesota is, is headed towards big three with D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. Is that a winning combination that can get you in the playoffs? We'll see. Anthony Edwards, uh, who I just mentioned, second in rookie of the year voting last year. He's a guy that's fun to watch. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see his progression this year from year one to year two. McDaniels is a guy that'll uh, look to play at the three. I think they just picked up his option. So he's a guy that Minnesota is hoping to uh, keep for a few years. McDaniels out of the University of Washington, younger player. Jared Vanderbilt um, is a guy that may start some at the four. They'd like to potentially pair him with Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns last year, 24.8 points per game, 10.6 rebounds per game. Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that would love to get some postseason action. Um, and, you know, Minnesota is going to probably have to make some roster improvements to do that. In this very crowded West, they do not have the roster, in my opinion, to do that. Um, they do have the talent at, at you know, in that starting five, but 
once he gets out of the starting five. You know, I, I do really like Malik Beasley. That's you know he he'll get some starts. He may be the sixth man. Nineteen point six points per game last year, but after that, you know, you're you're talking about Patrick Beverly. You know, what does he have left? Obviously. Uh, you know, he he is a solid defender, but he just seems to not be as effective as he has been in years past. And so Minnesota is not built for a postseason team. I have them finishing at 11th, actually, in the West. It's higher than some people may think. You know, I think Anthony Edwards, I think D'Angelo Russell, I think Carl Anthony Towns, you know, interesting big three, quote-unquote. We'll call it a little three um, there in Minnesota and my big question for them, what will it take to get into the playoffs? It's going to take some activity in the trade market. Are they willing to pull pull some trades, maybe trade some draft picks, um, you know, to help, help get that team to another level? Up next, after the break, we'll be discussing the Houston Rockets. So up next, we have the Houston Rockets, one of the league's youngest and in some ways you could say most interesting teams to watch. Obviously, not a team that has any type of playoff aspirations. Well, you know, if you ask them, I'm sure they do. But with the type of roster they have, they're not a playoff team, but they are a team that's going to be interesting to watch for a lot of different reasons. Last year, 17-55 and 55 record, worst team in the Western Conference. However, you get Jalen Green in the, in the draft instantly starting two guard there in Houston. Will he be the rookie of the year? Will it be Cade Cunningham? That'll be an interesting storyline to watch. You have Kevin Porter Jr. Didn't work out for him in Cleveland. He comes to uh, Houston, looks to be a guy that can score, looks to be a guy that may be factored into their long-term plans. Maybe a nice pairing in the backcourt there with Jalen Green. At the three in Houston, they have a couple different options. They may go Jay Sean Tate, um, pretty solid option there. Uh, Daniel House will probably come off the bench, but he may get some spot starts as well. Christian Wood is a solid big man, a solid four. Uh, provides provides Houston with a really good scoring option. You know, may ease the load off Jalen Green. Who will be the number one scorer in Houston? Will it be Christian Wood? Will it be Jalen Green? That'll be interesting to watch as well. How well do they play together? But Christian Wood's a guy that can step out and shoot some threes as well. Stretch four there in Houston. Uh, Tice at the five. Solid big man, you know, obviously played a good role up there in Boston during that part of his career. Now he comes to Houston, a rebuilding team. You know, what's going to be his role? Is he going to be a veteran leader there in Houston? Houston, um, off the bench, the one guy I would like to speak about is a rookie I'm excited about watching, Alperin and Shingoon. Alperin and Shingoon, now, there's a couple different reasons I would like to, you to watch him play. One of the interesting things about Shangun is when he's at the free throw line, one of the most unique free throw routines that you've seen. When he's at the free throw line, he prays to the ball is what it looks like. Now, from the story that I've heard, he's saying like a Turkish prayer. And he says this before he shoots his free throw. Very interesting free throw routine. That's not, one, that's not the only reason I like my boy Shangun. I feel like he is a very under-the-radar rookie. I think that he's going to have a great season in Houston. I think that he may be able to crack that starting rotation or starting lineup, excuse me, in Houston. And I think he's a guy that is going to have a lot of success in Houston. Uh, you know, he, he may be somebody that 
we talk about as a first or second all-rookie NBA team. Yes, I went there. First or second all-NBA rookie team for Shingun. Keep an eye on that. You heard it here first, the give-and-go report. Maybe you heard it here second, but you heard it here. Don't forget that. So up next, oh, I, I am moving too fast, listeners. My prediction for the Houston Rockets. Drum roll, please. I have the Houston Rockets finishing at 14th in the Western Conference. So not last in the Western Conference. That award will go to our next team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City Thunder last year, 22-50 and 50 record. They finished 14th in the West. So I have them and the Rockets flip-flopping. Um, I like what the Rockets are building better than I like what the Oklahoma City Thunder are building. Obviously, in Oklahoma City, you do have uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's your number one option. That's your guy to build around. Or is that a guy that your general manager, Sam Presti, loves to pull the trade uh, you know, to pull the trade card. So will Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, get traded for 10 more, you know, draft picks? Who knows, right? Who knows what they're up to in Oklahoma City? But Shea Gilgis Alexander, very capable lead guard, more than capable lead guard, borderline all-star, 23.7 points a game last year. Um, and he's the guy, if they would like to build around him in the future, he's the guy to do it with, you know, unless Sam Presti wants to get, you know, a little nutty there as he always does. Um, at the two, uh, Lou Dort, solid defender. You know, he's a guy that we remember remember from the bubble with his defense. Um, you know, he is a solid player, solid option. He's going to play, obviously, a lot of minutes as he's second or third best player there in Oklahoma City. Josh Giddy, the rookie from Australia, 6'8 shooting guard uh, and number six overall pick. I am interested in watching him play. So that'll be a, one reason to turn it, tune into uh, Oklahoma City Thunder games, not to watch winning basketball. Sorry, Oklahoma City Thunder fans, but to see what that rookie's all about. Um, you know, he's a, he's a playmaker. He's played some point guard in Australia. Um, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to be the primary ball handler. So will how much will he play off ball? How much will he be given opportunities to play some point guard will be interesting to see. Darius Baisley at the four and probably Derek Favors at the five, the veteran big men. You also have Pokashevsky um, coming off the bench. We're talking about a second-year player that played some pretty meaningful minutes for Oklahoma City last year. They they seem to like him. He was the 17th overall pick last year in 2020. Don't ask me to say that name again. That was my that was my one time there trying that. But he is a guy that Oklahoma City looks to uh, get some good minutes for this year as well. My question for Oklahoma City is: What are you doing? And what I mean by that is you have all these draft picks, you have a few young pieces, but you pretty much have, let's just be honest, in a lot of ways, a G League level roster outside of a few of your a few of your starters. So what are you doing? What direction are you headed? Are you wanting to package those picks, go out and get somebody? You know, are you wanting to trust the process and get first round draft pick after first round draft pick and try to build up the team? That's what it seems like you're doing, you know, and if you're Oklahoma City Thunder fan, I guess you just have to remain patient and stick with it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in Oklahoma City. I have them finishing at 15th in the West. 15th in the West, like I said just previously, I have the Rockets at 14th. Our last team in the Western Conference, just kidding. We have two more in the Western Conference. I am sorry about that, New Orleans Pelicans fans and San Antonio Spurs fans. 
Our next team is going to be the San Antonio Spurs. Head coach Greg Popovich. Last year they they make the play-in tournament, but they fall in the first round of the play-in tournament to the Golden State Warriors. Do not advance to the playoffs. Another team that will be interesting to see what direction they're headed. I think it's pretty clear that they're you know rebuilding um, and and headed to the draft lottery. Uh, another question I have for them is how long will will Popovich stick around? Uh, you know, I, I don't know that he's a guy that enjoys rebuilding, so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if his time in San Antonio is coming to an end. I hope not. Um, obviously, love to see coaches like like him, you know, living legend in the NBA. Would like to see him for a few more years, but think that he might get pretty burnt out with a rebuild. DeJounte Murray is at the one, 15 points a game, seven rebounds per game as a point guard, 34th in the league last year um, in rebounding. And he was a point guard. So 15, 7, and 5 guy. Will he be the core of San Antonio moving forward, a part of the core, or is he trade bait? You know, we've we've heard his name mentioned in trade talks. Be interesting to see there. Derek White at the two. Doug McDermott, you know, a guy that uh, he's played now. This will be his sixth NBA team. He signs a three-year, $42 million deal to come down to San Antonio and get some threes up. You know, if you're a Spurs fan, I hope you're looking forward to uh, Doug McDermott shooting a lot of threes and making a lot of threes because that's what he does. Keldon Johnson at the four, uh, you know, very interesting selection to Team USA. Obviously, that has something to do with, you know, playing for, you know, Popovich there in San Antonio and Popovich being the head coach of Team USA. But Keldon Johnson, a guy, 12.8 points per game in his second year in the league. Um, He's a guy that I look to take a step forward this year, 17, maybe 18 points a game. You have Pirtle at the five. Um, you have, you know, a couple p- pieces off the bench, nothing to get too excited about there in San Antonio. I have them slipping all the way to 13th in the West. And like I said, my question for San Antonio is how long will Pop stay there and how long will he get frustrated with, you know, rebuilding process and decide to do something different? So last but not least, we have one of the NBA's most interesting teams, the New Orleans Pelicans. Very interesting for a variety of reasons. 31-41 and 41 last year, 11th in the West. You missed the playoffs. Stan Van Gundy's out. Enter Willie Green as the new head coach. David Griffin, the general manager. Rumors are the players don't really like him. They're not big uh, you know, believers maybe in what he's he's putting together, or maybe they just don't like his personality. But the New Orleans Pelicans, in a lot of ways, this is a make or break year for the Pelicans. Are you going to convince Zion Williamson to stay and that you're going to put the pieces around him to build? Or are you going to, you know, be a lottery team? Be interesting to see what happens in New Orleans. So let's go through New Orleans starting lineup at the one likely new orleans does have a few different options but the most logical option would be to start Devonte graham at the one coming over in a trade with charlotte what will his role be um he was a guy last year that was actually 14th in the league and three pointers made be interesting to see how he fits with that new orleans pelicans core Nikhil alexander walker is the two a guy that the pelicans are excited about developing first year in the league 5.7 points a game last year 11 points a game so you have a, a nice increase there this year will he get to about a 15 point per game uh mark that would be really interesting development there to see if that can happen in new orleans at the three brandon ingram all-star there in new orleans 
23.8 points per game, five rebounds, five assists per game. Brandon Ingram is a guy that, you know, a lot of smoothness to his game. He's a guy that can shoot that mid-range well. He's a guy that can step out and shoot the three. Um, and he's a guy that will be interesting to see, you know, would New Orleans like to pair him and Zion for the long run? Do they have other plans? Will Zion even stick around for that, as I mentioned earlier? Zion, obviously the face of the franchise. Right now he's out with a fractured foot, and the word in the New Orleans press right now is that there is no timetable for his return. That is never; Those are never the words that you want to hear for your franchise player, that there is no timetable for his return. That also gives you a lot of pessimism for will this New Orleans Pelicans team be a playoff team you know, when you don't have a timetable for your the cornerstone of your franchise, not looking good for that. Jonas Valanciunas, I do like that pickup for the New Orleans Pelicans. I do believe that's an upgrade from Stephen Allen at the center position. They, they acquire him in a trade with Memphis, so I like that pickup there in New Orleans. Sadoransky, a veteran signing. He'll, you know, obviously be a veteran point guard, provide some veteran minutes there in New Orleans, might get some spot starts. Josh Hart a guy that they've locked up with a three-year, $38 million deal. He, obviously, he came over years ago in that Anthony Davis trade, but he's a guy that has carved out nice little roles, a six-man type role there in New Orleans. You have Jackson Hayes coming off the bench, um, an interesting piece, former lottery pick. Uh, right now, he's dealing with some off-the-court issues. How much will he be available? Will he continue to develop? Obviously, you're a lottery pick. You know, At what point is New Orleans, you know, get frustrated with his development, or is he a guy that takes a next step um, in his development this year? That'll be interesting to see. You also have Marshall coming off the bench, young guy that um, that New Orleans got some minutes out of last year that that is there have been talks that he may be able to crack, you know, some starting opportunities as well. So New Orleans always been, you know, for the last couple of years, especially since Anthony Davis left the franchise, uh, you know, he wanted that trade to Los Angeles, got that trade to Los Angeles. New Orleans gets this big haul. They get Lonzo Ball. They get Brandon Ingram and just really hasn't clicked the way they wanted it to. You know, even when Zion comes back, things just haven't really clicked the way that New Orleans Pelicans fans would like them to. Be interesting to see what moves they make this year or, you know, is the Valanchunas and the Devontae Graham, does that put them over the top? For me, it does not put them over the top. In a crowded West, I still have them finishing at 10th in the West, so barely sneaking into that play-in tournament, whereas I mentioned on that Eastern Conference tournament, uh, or excuse me, when as I mentioned in our first episode of the Eastern Conference preview, anything can happen once you get in that play-in tournament, as we saw last year, for example, the Memphis Grizzlies getting into the playoffs. So that is our Western Conference preview here, the Give and Goat Report. In summary, I would like to go over my seeds one at a time. I did go through them as I went through each of the teams, but now I will give you each of the seeds from 1 to 15. As I mentioned previously, at the one seed, I have the Utah Jazz. Now, as I mentioned, I do not have them winning the NBA Finals, but I have them as the one seed in the West, followed by the Lakers as the two seed. I have Phoenix finishing as the three seed, so I really debated about would they finish higher than L.A. I think Phoenix is going to be the three seed in the West. I have Golden State as the four seed. Maybe a surprise to some, but I, I do think that this year is a big bounce back year for Golden State. You know, Maybe they become title contenders. I'm not saying that yet, but I'm saying I, I've got them as the fourth seed in the West. I've got Denver as the fifth seed. I have 
Portland is the sixth seed in the West. Dallas Mavericks is the seventh seed. Clippers is the eighth seed, still getting in the playoffs. That would be a, a nice uh, storyline there to have the Jazz as the one seed and the Clippers as the eighth seed, and that be the first-round matchup. That would be a good storyline there. The ninth seed, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. The tenth seed, the New Orleans Pelicans. I have the Timberwolves sliding into the eleventh seed, so a little bump up from the previous year. I have the Kings as the twelfth seed. The Spurs is the 13th, Rockets 14th, and Thunder 15th. So that is where I have my seeds finishing. After the break, I will discuss my final segment with you for the night. I do appreciate you sticking with me to the night. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or you're listening on Spotify. We would appreciate the subscribe. We would appreciate the five-star rating if you're on Apple Podcasts. And after the break, hopefully I will reward that loyalty. I will give you some Vegas picks for this week. Hopefully make you a little bit of money. That'll be right after the break here on the Give and Go Report, Episode 2. Welcome back to our final segment of Episode 2 of the Give and Go Report. It's time for my Vegas picks. I have a couple picks I would like to recommend to you this week, hopefully help you make a little bit of money there. The first pick I have for you is the 7.30 game tomorrow night, Brooklyn Nets at the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are a one-point favorite at home, and I am recommending the Brooklyn Nets. Why am I recommending the Brooklyn Nets? One, Kevin Durant revenge game, opportunity to uh, get some revenge for what happened last year in the Eastern conference playoffs there secondly James Harden coming back from injury Kevin Durant did not have him that full series at 100 percent for that reason I have Brooklyn Nets revenge game revenge opportunity opening night I think Brooklyn gets it done bada bing bada boom make some money my second game I have for you is going to be a Wednesday night game Chicago Bulls at the Detroit Pistons. Right now, the line on this game, Chicago's three-and-a-half-point favorites. Now, if you listen to our Eastern Conference preview, Detroit has some interesting pieces, but Chicago made a lot of really good acquisitions this offseason. you got DeMar DeRozan, you got Alex Caruso, you got Lonzo Ball. And preseason, they've had some good moments together. I've got the Bulls covering three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, I'm taking that. Bada bing, bada boom, make some money. My third game I have for you, also a game on Wednesday night, also a 7 o'clock tip, Indiana Pacers at the Charlotte Hornets. Right now the Charlotte Hornets are two-point favorites. Well, right now it looks like TJ Warren and Karis LeVert, both of those not playing on Wednesday night. For that reason, I like Charlotte Hornets covering the two-point spread at home. The mellow ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, bada-bing, bada-boom, make some money. As we go to Thursday, my last game for you, you know I had to bring up my Atlanta Hawks. Well, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Dallas Mavericks. Atlanta, we are pretty healthy, ready to go. Believe the DeAndre Hunter may or may not be a green light. Even if he's not playing, I still like Atlanta to win. Two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. You know that place is going to be rocking. People are excited. People are excited about what the Atlanta Braves are doing. Some of that energy might spill over. People did not forget our Atlanta Hawks playoff run last year. One of the best moments um, in playoff history for the Atlanta Hawks. 
lot of energy. Trey's going to be ready to go. John's going to be ready to go. Hawk cover two and a half point favorites at home. Bada bing, bada boom. Make some money. So again, that's the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday night. One point underdogs against the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going with the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday. Bulls three and a half point favorites at the Detroit Piston. I've got the Bulls. Hornets on Wednesday night, also two-point favorites at home against the Pacers. I have the Hornets. And on Thursday, the Hawks, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Dallas Mavericks. I've got my Atlanta Hawks. Say with me, bada-bing, bada-boom, make some money. That is episode two of the Give and Goat Report. I hope you enjoyed my Western Conference preview. Stay tuned for episode three, dropping Sunday night. We'll also be announcing our new third host of the Give and Goat Report. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to being with you all season here on the Give and Goat Report.